Hi, this is Gene Berezin with the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Today on Shrinking It Down, we're revisiting some of the most helpful conversations we've had with clinical experts about ADHD in kids and teens. Dr. Ellen Broughton, Executive Director of the MGH Learning and Emotional Assessment Program, joins me in a conversation to help folks really understand what ADHD is and the range of treatments available. Dr. Timothy Willens, Chief of the, of the MGH Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, joins Ellen and me to take a closer look at the use of medication for ADHD for a child. Dr. Susan Spritch, Director of Psychology Training at MGH, joins me and Steve Schlossman to discuss how cognitive behavior therapy can be used as a part of a child's or an adult's ADHD treatment plan. Please tune in and be sure to check out the resources listed in the episode description. Today we're going to talk about something that I think most people may think they have, and that's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, because we're all distracted. So um, you're a neuropsychologist. How do you define attention deficit hyperactivity disorder? Well, I think the best way I like to organize it is by looking at the three core symptoms, which is impulsivity, (laughs) hyperactivity, and inattention. And so what we're looking for in somebody who has ADHD are some combination of those symptoms. Sometimes it's only inattention. Sometimes it's impulsivity, hyperactivity. Um, But I think those are what we're looking for. And like in the case of any disorder, we're not just looking for do we have it. We're all inattentive. We all sometimes act impulsive at times. We all get agitated and, and we're hyperactive. What we're looking for is does this interfere with someone's functioning in their daily life, in their school, their emotional life, their relationships. And that's where I think people get confused about, does everyone have it? So when parents, so parents looking for inattention, they should look at their kids not getting things done in a timely fashion, uh, forgetting things, misplacing things, um, uh, uh, easily, uh, easily, they can't, they start one task and then they jump to another task because they can't continue to maintain their focus. Things exactly. Like that. Or you tell them to do three things and they remember one and not the other two and they think they're done because they that's all that they remembered or paid attention to. So yes, those are the Although some of some of some kids now this is an interesting neuropsychological thing. There is an ability for some of these kids who are inattentive to hyperfocus. Yes, there is. So if they're really, really, really interested in something, like video games especially, which just drive me crazy because I just can't focus on anything. I don't yes. play them. Yes. But, I, but, but they can hyper-focus. So what so, is that about? So it really, I think sometimes we have the, the wrong idea about this. It, we, we've misnamed this as just inattention. When it's just poorly maintained or the ability to, to be flexible in one's attention. Attention, it doesn't mean that you are riveted on something all the time. Attention is something that's flexible. And um, good attention skills mean that I focus on this and I know not to focus on that. And I can, when it's time to switch, I can do it. So that's really more of what the case is in an attention deficit is problems with with maintaining and flexibly and correctly using attention. So that gets us into another aspect of ADHD, which is not actually in the diagnostic criteria 
but is virtually present in all of these kids, and that is what we call executive functioning, exactly, which includes yes. that issue of being able to kind of do one thing and then do another thing and do another thing and be flexible and yes. and fluidly. Is that is yes. that how you would Ex- define that? Yes, it, it, those are all things that I would say are at the top of the list of executive function skills, and that it, it's one of those general terms that means a lot of things, and it's like I, I like to think of it as as like the good executive secretary or the executive plan or somebody who is like, I know exactly what's going on in every area of a particular office. And, and I, I know when to, how to prioritize something and when to let something go and what I need to remember to be competent at my job. So that sort of executive functions are one of those global things that includes memory, attention, being able to plan ahead, being able to what we call shift set or go from one thing to the next. Time management. Time management, yes. And even um, something that I've been interested in for a long time is processing speed, our ability to process information quickly and effectively and efficiently. So it's really about, if I had to use one word, it's about efficiency. And that means a lot of different things to each of us depending on the task. Yeah, when I when I work with kids who have ADHD and I try to convince them that they need some help with tutoring and learning how to how to make, how to develop routines and how, you know, uh, something that was going to take effort and most of the time they're kind of like rolling their eyes and then I said, "Look, here's the here's the key to this." And that is is that if you can do stuff more efficiently that you have to do, just think how much more time you'll have to do to have fun. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to sell it. And usually that makes a difference. Yes. Now, what about the hyperactive kids and the impulsive ones? How how do they appear? I think that's when people think about ADHD, that's typically what they think about. The the little boy running around the classroom, um, you know, pulling the lights down from the ceiling. And so people (laughs) tend to understand that a little bit better because they can see it. Attention and inattention are harder things to grasp. And uh, so I think that that's... You know, that's sort of the, the typical... Yeah, they're also the ones that get more attention because they interrupt, yes. they jump, they cut lines, they, they, they blurt things out, they kind of can't control, and that and they really, really, uh, you know, get other kids very angry. Exactly. That's why they come to what we call clinical attention earlier, is because they are causing problems for other people. Sometimes it's their teacher, sometimes it's other kids in the classroom. So they generally get diagnosed earlier than kids with just the pure inattentive type. And I think I, we should say that there are three different kinds of ADHD, three different subtypes. One is the primarily hyperactive impulsive type. The other is the predominantly inattentive subtype, which is the mm-hmm. least common of the three. And the most common is the combined subtype, where you have a little bit of all of the above, inattention, impulsivity, yeah, the one and thing that, that I think would help parents and kids, um, uh, and to hear from you about this, is that a lot of times since they need extra help, they need remediation, they need learning new skills, they need to go to a tutor um, or maybe the resource room, is is that they're not lacking intelligence, that there's a difference between intelligence and talents of various kinds and, and, and attention, right? That's exactly right. These are two different things. When we're talking again about executive function skills, executive function skills are those skills that allow us to use our intellect, but the intellect is different. The intellect is our ability to solve problems. And you know, given unlimited time or given structure, very bright people with even significant ADHD can do remarkable things like 
probably many of the sorts of things we use in our world today were developed by people who were somewhat distracted and, and uh, in some ways maybe even impulsive in some of their thinking. But, uh, but they're two different things. We're yeah. talking about our in intellect, our ability to solve problems, our ability to effectively communicate, and then our ability to actually do that efficiently. Yeah. And those are, are two different things. So one thing that I've noticed in, in all of my work um, with kids and adults that have, that have uh, ADHD uh, that's not part of the diagnostic criteria is um, a sense of low self-esteem, is they feel like really bad. Because when you can't do what you're supposed to do, when you continually get in trouble or when you're scolded by the teacher or you're, you're scolded by your parents, I mean, and, 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 and they're scolded because they're, they're told to do something and they don't do it. Um, or they just distracted and they, they could do their math homework or their English homework, but, but they, they get caught up in something else. And then they, they go to school and they're, they're, they feel bad about themselves, especially the kids who are really bright because the, they know I what know. their capabilities are. And it's just it, it breaks my heart because they constantly feel that they're not doing what, what everyone in the world around them believes they should be able to do and they can do. Right? Yes, so they, they know what they're capable of often because they're bright. And they're also told that all the time. You're so bright. Why can't you do that? And that can be very frustrating. And I find the same thing that kids with ADHD almost universally have some kinds of issues with self-esteem. Yeah. And for exactly the reasons why you say. They, they're just very um, frustrated all the time that they can't do what they really want to do, that they didn't do. They're disappointed in themselves. Yeah. And then they hear all day long how disappointed everybody yeah. else is with them. And one other thing that I think would help um, uh, the listeners is to kind of know that, as we say in, in pediatrics, all the wheezes is not asthma. All that's inattentive is not ADHD. Yes. So there, there are a number of other problems that kids could have um, that look like ADHD but really are different. So what are some of those things? So something that one of the psychological issues that come to mind is anxiety. Anxiety yep. can oftentimes look like ADHD, when you're anxious, sometimes you become a little bit fidgety. You become hypersensitive, hyper-focused um, on different things. You can also be very inattentive when you're worried about what's going on outside or what's going on at home. You're not listening to what's going on. But that's not because you're inattentive. It's because your mind's consumed yeah. with other things. Yeah. And learning disabilities often coexist with ADHD, but they often aren't part of ADHD as well but they can look like ADHD. So if you're a first grader or a second grader and you've got a significant dyslexia yeah. and reading's hard for you, you're going to look like you're inattentive in the classroom because you don't understand what's going on. So it really takes sorting out what what the what what the problems are that 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 look inattentive. Yes. Uh, and that's where your testing comes in. Exactly. That's where an evaluation can be very helpful. And not everyone needs to be evaluated with a comprehensive neuropsychological evaluation because we think they have ADHD. It's really well evaluated mm -hmm. by pediatrician, psychiatrist, uh, clinical psychologist who doesn't do testing. The majority of people with ADHD get diagnosed in that regard, in that way. But if it's complicated, if you are treated for ADHD and diagnosed and, and the treatment seems to be working for the inattention, but school isn't yeah. any better, or uh, the child's still anxious or depressed or there are other issues going on, mm -hmm. that's when testing can be very helpful. And testing can also be helpful in terms of producing uh, remediation plans or learning plans, right? I mean, exactly. that's one of the things that you do so beautifully. Yes. And I think that I see a lot of kids and, and neuropsychologists like me see a lot of kids who were very well 
evaluated and uh, diagnosed early on, but they hit, you know, age 13, 14, 15, or even just 11, 12, and, and their treating physician will say, you know, we need a little bit more information yeah. on what's going on. Yes, the medication's helpful in treating the inattention and things are better, but we need this child to be successful, yeah. not just okay. And another thing that I often see is, is that uh, sometimes that structure helps. Okay. Yes. So, so, so if in high, in, in, in secondary school through high school, your every day, every week is so structured. Uh, sometimes these really bright kids uh, make it through high school because everything is so orderly. And then they get to college with 168 yes. hours in a week and maybe 15 hours of class and everything else is like, so right. They, nobody tell. No one gives them. You know, here's what you need to do to get this midterm prepared or this paper done. And then they fall between the cracks. And then I'll see them when they're failing in college or they're they're falling apart in college, and they can't they can't really get things done. So that that is <laughs> it so comes, true. It comes, it's it's. But the other thing too that I actually haven't even told you. I had a, a paper. I wrote a paper with when I was in Prague with some of the um, the researchers who are over there, on time perception and ADHD. We did a review of the literature on that, and there are a couple of people over there who are very interested in this topic. And I'm interested in just time because I'm interested in processing speed. But what we found in looking at some of these uh, papers is that people with ADHD have trouble with time perception. Wow. Meaning that they have trouble understanding what 15 minutes feels like or what a week feels like. You're talking about all the hours in a week <laughs> and only 15 hours are, in, are you know, spent in classroom. It's very hard for them to understand the concept of time. So one of the things that I've really been telling people to do, parents to do, is to instill a concept of time as much as they can. Have their child wear an analog clock, hmm. a w- watch, uh, learn to tell time on an analog clock so you can kind of see how time is passing. Because we, a lot of what we do to treat kids with ADHD is to teach them time management skills. If you don't really understand what time is, yeah. you can't manage it. And even simple things like, for example, timing, how long it takes you to get to school in the morning. How What is that? So it takes you 20 minutes to get to school in the morning. What does that feel like? Because a lot of times kids with ADHD will say, oh, I've got that. I've got plenty of time to finish that homework. And they really don't, or they do, but they don't they don't take advantage of it's all that really time because they don't know what that means. And I think it's a it's an interesting and kind of new avenue to, to think about this. Something very simple that we don't think about doing. We assume that they understand something that we're already trying to teach them. So let's briefly just mention issues about treatment. And, yes. and there's a lot of stuff on the Clay Center about this, but the major treatments, uh, how, what, 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 what would you say? So the the research shows we basically have we we have executive function coaching uh, teaching okay. kids how to be better organized how to accommodate their we- their weaknesses cognitive behavioral therapy that will help them think through some of these issues but also medication and medication really is our best tool in the toolbox uh, but a lot of uh, studies show that medication along with something else works well and that this is your area of expertise right. and. Um, but I think that parents it, are oftentimes very reluctant. But as I say, medication is not it, it doesn't it doesn't teach you anything. Medication no. just helps you focus so that you can learn the behavioral skills, yes. you can learn the routines, you can learn the time management. You know, you're not kind of trying to run with weights on your legs. It kind right. of gives you it gives you. Um, it, it gives you a leg up. It it, <laughs> yeah. it, it helps. It, it it helps. But it but in itself, you know, a stimulant is not going to her. To, yes. to kind of make a, 
a difference in, in the learning of the skills. That's right. And I think that's such an important point because we put a lot of faith in that in that pill that it's going to change a child's life. And and it it's one thing that is sometimes essential in making progress, but it's not you know, it's not the be all end all in making progress. And you're right, it's not going to it's not gonna teach you how to do things more efficiently. Ellen? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so, I mean, Tim is, is one of the world's renowned experts on medications in general, but particularly medications in ADHD. And I know that's probably the, the diagnosis that parents are most curious about, because a lot of times when, when a child is depressed or anxious, parents really know that I, I've got to do, if you're at the point of medication, usually parents are thinking, I've got to do anything I can to make my child feel better. But ADHD is a little bit tougher and it's also more common as well. So what, tell, tell us a little bit about just ADHD medications in general and what parents can expect when they put their kids on medication for inattention or hyperactivity or impulsivity. Well, you know, it, it, and it is a spectrum disorder, exactly what Ellen is saying. It's there are some people who have ADHD that's mild, that they have some inattention and problems with distractibility, and they may be a little impulsive, but they actually function reasonably well. They're bumping the walls. They're kind of, you know, they may not be the most efficient. And, but those are people that typically aren't going to require medication. In fact, we usually don't like thinking about using medicines for more mild cases. But there seems to be an agreed upon threshold when there's, you know, a lot of people ask me what thresholds in general do I use? When a kid is really impaired functionally, when a kid is really struggling, or when a kid is really suffering, so struggling, suffering, impaired, I really think you need to think about medications. It's sort of a bar that we use, and it's, it's a bar that's pretty straightforward, and I, I have to say parents know that bar. They know where that is when they see that. It's usually a bar where the, the parents actually can feel their heart breaking. They, they, they can feel very sad about it. They watch feeling pretty helpless and hopeless at times, being with their kid and noticing that. That's where I would say we're at. And when with ADHD, it's when kids who have the potential to get A's and B's are getting D's, kids are giving up because of that. Kids sit down to do homework that should take 15, 20, 30 minutes, and it's taken them an hour, an hour and a half. Um, they're not being able to get things done. When kids work very hard to get things done, often with parents helping them, and they forget to turn in their homework or they go to school they go into the wrong class or they don't get the class on time, even though they got to school on time, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just sort of the beginning of that. And it seems to impact everything. And then they don't have friends like they used to have and they aren't getting along and they're feeling sad because they don't have friends. They're feeling sad because they're getting a lot of negative comments from everybody. You know, these are the kids that I say, look, you've tried, the kid has tried, they're failing in a number of different or struggling in a lot of different ways. And those are the ones that often medicines can make a robust difference. In fact, the, the most effective medicines we have in child and adult psychiatry are medicines that we use to treat ADHD. Those are the ones that work the best. Uh, and in, within, I, people say days, but I would say within a few weeks, you often can come up with a treatment that's working very well and can be sustained for many, many months or if necessary, many years.
So, so just just one question that always comes up um, in in my practice, and and I think a lot for the Clay Center is, uh, what about you? Didn't mention attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Sure. Um, so, um, what what do you think the role for CBT is with 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 ADHD? Yeah, I think uh, CBT has a big role with ADHD. That's actually um, one of my personal research interests. So I've been um, part of several large treatment studies uh, using CBT for ADHD. I think there's some confusion about that because there was a very large study that was done about, I think, probably 15 or 20 years ago, the MTA study, um, that looked at... What's MTA stand for, again? um, Multimodal multimodal treatment treatment for ADHD, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) No, I I just had to think out loud. Go ahead. Um, And what they found actually was that um, they looked at psychosocial treatment only, um, medication only, medication plus psychosocial treatment and placebo. And when they compared those different groups, they actually found that the the medication um, and the medication plus psychotherapy did the best, but that psychotherapy didn't really add much to the, uh, if anything, really to the medication effects. So I think there's this idea out there that um, psychosocial treatment doesn't really help with ADHD, but um, there are a few things that are, you know, kind of unique about that. It, it was definitely with younger children, um, and the the type of CBT that they did is not necessarily the same as what we do now. So the studies that, that we've done here at MGH, um, we did two studies with adults with ADHD, and they were people who were on medication, although we did sort of pilot test our, st- our treatment with a few individuals who were not on medication, and just anecdotally, um, the results were, were good. Um, so, so we found that comparing uh, medication alone with medication plus cognitive behavioral therapy for ADHD, um, the, the group that got the combined treatment did um, significantly better. So when, when I was a resident and you were either a postdoc or a psych intern, I can't remember when we, when we crossed paths, but yeah. we were taught that contingency management plans for ADHD, sort, sort of like you know, reward chart stickers. Yeah. For like little, is that what you're talking about when you say? No. So, so our, tre- so our treatment, we developed in adults. So like people, you know, stars over, probably wouldn't work. I would like a star. Over 18. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually like stars. Anim- animal stickers. Yeah. Are, yeah. Are, yeah, yeah my favorite yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or candy maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and, um, and then we also did a downward extension of this to adolescents. So people, so so kids in high school. Um, But it's really more of a skills training type of approach where, um, so we do a lot with like helping people set up their own systems, make sure, you know, they they know all the stuff they need to do, they know where they need to be, having systems for prioritization, um, kind of setting the stage for not being so distractible. We do a cognitive therapy piece, so both looking at sort of the typical like negative thoughts that people might Mm -hmm. have. Which is an example of that. A negative thought. Um, like if people have a history of failure, you know, they someone asks them to do something, they might think, ah, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to do it. Like why, why bother, bother trying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and also in ADHD, interestingly, sometimes people get really um, what we call like overly optimistic thinking, where they 
they think, oh, well, you know, I don't really need to start the paper today because I have all weekend. You know, Monday's a holiday. Like, I have so much time. I can definitely write this 20-page paper on probably Monday when I, I don't have school. I think so. I could use this treatment. This might be useful. <laughs> well, well, so here's the thing. So, so segue from that.